Nothing grows in ice. We can't stay stuck in ideas or opinions. Nothing grows in ice. If you're fixed on your values, on your political stance, on the way you see the world, you can't grow. You're stuck. You're in ice. You're frozen. Welcome to The One Up Project. Money is fuel that that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself and if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. Today we're doing a book review. I've only done one book review before, I think, no I've done two. One on Atomic Habits and the other one on uh, Never Split the Difference. Both such great books. But I want to start doing reviews just on all the books I read because I would say that I read a lot. I don't know what constitutes reading a lot, but I read probably on average one book every month, sometimes two if I'm feeling really good. But yeah, usually a book a month and... There's so much value within each book. I always write notes when I read books, unless they're uh, fiction books and I don't write notes. Maybe sometimes though, to be honest, because you can pull lessons from anywhere. But usually I write notes on all the non-fiction books I read. But today, let's talk about the magic of thinking big. So this book was published in 1959. Uh, It was the modernized version basically what that means is they added a few more she's to the book and probably took out some controversial examples possibly uh it was still very much like you know how so many of the old sayings are very they only talk about triumphs and people achieving things with he's and now that we understand most of us the importance of representation they're adding in all the she's but you kind of just got to accept that with older books because that's the way it was so yeah published in 1959 so the book was written by Dr. David J. Schwartz who was a professor of marketing who's also an American motivational writer and coach which is such an interesting I don't know if that was the title he went by then in 1959 but how many motivational writers and coaches were there in 1959 I don't know but like pre 80s doesn't scream like personal transformation and like self-development times like I can't really imagine people taking an interest in that but maybe I'm thinking from like a woman's perspective where their role traditionally back then wasn't to develop themselves but to develop like their families and their communities so Maybe from a male's point of view, it was different back then, but I just can't imagine there being many like jobs in the space of motivational writing and self-development. But anyway, I found that really interesting. And so what the book is pretty much about is how to get the most out of life through the magic of thinking big in air quotes, which is just means changing your mindset, your environment, your actions in order to get a result. And the book so interestingly touched on many like concepts that we we've labeled today so I guess back then they weren't like labeled concepts um but things like manifestation visualization um what else there was like lots of those topics that we commonly discuss in the personal development 
like areas or industry I suppose you could call it because it's like pretty much a whole industry now what I've kind of noticed instantly after finishing this book and on reflection of this book is that it's a high level overview of many commonly discussed personal development themes because this book was written quite a while ago uh, before my lifetime anyway I don't think many of the themes have been fully developed to be as nuanced as we know them today like it would talk about something like changing your mindset which is easy enough to say is something you need to do but there's so much within changing your mindset like so much impacts the beliefs you have or the things that you think are normal or the way you react to certain situations like so much comes into that and it's so it's a lot bigger than just changing your mindset and I think we understand a lot of those nuances today but in the book they weren't fully understood yet so kind of thinking about that when reading it is interesting because it sort of talks about a lot of these things like yeah these are great reminders and and these are easy to say that's something we need to do but actually doing that is going to be very individual and that wasn't developed in this book as much as it is in other books that we see written today which makes sense because it was written so long ago but I thought I would just mention that for anyone who might think about reading this the book surprised me a lot like some things I would read and I would kind of roll my eyes like that's such a traditional way to view that and then some things I would read and I'd think wow that's really profound especially for that time but even now it's profound so to think that this book in so many ways highlights such old traditional thinking but also brings a lot of freshness to topics that we still confuse a lot of us today was was quite fun and even touched on some themes that I've seen in other books like Start With Why and some of Simon Sinek's work in terms of valuing other people having empathy for others and like considering how our actions are just a result of our life experience not necessarily a result of like the thing that's happened in that moment that has triggered us or whatever like those sort of things I felt were quite profound for that time I don't know if I'm just assuming everyone back then had such a little like capacity to think for themselves but I guess I just it surprises me that people would be this aware in a time where these topics weren't as commonly spoken about as they are now so what I've done and this is how I'm going to run these episodes, is I write the notes as I go throughout. I basically write down things that I found really interesting, helpful, whatever. I wanted to highlight it for some reason. I might take note of different pages. And there isn't going to be a huge structure to these episodes. I also want to go through the different concepts that I found interesting and give you, I guess, a bit of a, is, it the, is the word synopsis or like a summary of my thoughts and then you can kind of decide if this is something you'd want to think more into but to give you an idea of who I think this book would be best for I think if you are just getting into your personal development journey you're very early on in understanding who you are and what you think of life this could be a really good book to start with because it is such a high level overview of so many different things like there are lots of books now say Atomic Habits I guess is an example of this where it just solely goes in on habits this book might say uh, an important thing for you to implement is good habits in your life and that's like one concept as opposed to just going in on only habits so I feel that it's a really good high level overview of concepts for people who need a light introduction to the personal 
development world and want something that's sort of not feel good but is motivational and not too heavy and intense this was one of those quotes like with the context of knowing that it was written in 1959 that I really liked and it's success is not defined by the size of one's brain but the size of one's thinking and this is you know we all know that intelligence is represented in so many different ways unfortunately I still think today that people define intelligence by same old things school and how well you do on tests etc etc but intelligence is such a diverse spectrum of things and it's not about how big your brain is how much information you can retain and then repeat it's about how you think about a problem and your unique perspective is your intelligence I suppose in a way and leading on from this quote was another one about success. Like he kind of speaks about what what success, how you create success in your own life. And again, I think success is a very individual term, but speaking about it in the way that he has spoken about it in this book, uh, that is how I'll kind of continue it on for this episode. So success doesn't demand a price. Every step forward pays dividends. So to get, you can't just pay your way to success by doing anything like you can't just say okay well if I put this action and this if I do this action and this behavior okay then that's success that equals success I know that the price for success is this I just need to pay it with my actions and then I'm successful but it's like and this is how I'm interpreting it but every step forward no matter what direction is going to pay dividends and I love this because I think sometimes we can get caught up in timelines and how fast we're doing things and like are we doing things the right way but this just talks about the fact that stepping forward in any way like progress development in any way will pay dividends and I think those dividends can come back to you in learnings and opportunities and people and networks and like whatever it is I completely agree with this he says that there's two things that can create success the first one is the desire to have something And the second one is the intelligence to pick a resource to help you get it. So I suppose in simple terms what this is saying is that to create success in your life you have to have the desire, the why is how I interpret that, you have to have a strong reason for wanting something and that has to drive you like emotionally and then the next thing is the intelligence to pick a resource to help you to get it. So to know that the next step is then to action that desire and what resource are you going to choose. Quite a simple concept, but I think helpful nonetheless. Self-belief, and I've said this before in other podcasts, is vital. Like it is literally the lifeline to doing anything. And self-belief isn't something that everyone has from the start of their life. I think it's something that you have more of when you're younger and then you kind of lose over time as the experiences weigh on you, like your life experiences. But it's something you can build again. And I think being, I I personally believe that being born into an environment that already encourages the self-belief is a privilege. And I'd like to say that that is a privilege that I have had over my lifetime, like supportive family and people who always told me I could do anything. But just because that wasn't you doesn't mean you can't attain it, doesn't mean you can't surround yourself with the supporters who choose to believe in you. And I think the greatest gift that you could possibly give to someone else is belief in them, to tell them, I believe in you, I know you can do it. To give that to someone, I think is such a special thing and really makes more of an impact than you think. So 
do tell people that. Do tell them that you believe in them and you believe that they will get to the place that they want to get to. Ooh, this is a good quote that came out of here. And I think given the given like this state of politics and the way that the world is with cancel culture and celebrities, this is a good quote. So it says, it is well to respect the leader, but don't worship them. Believe you can do better. I feel like way too often in this world, we're worshiping people who we don't even know. Like we don't know personally, we don't know real, like anything about really. Majority of the time, we're never going to agree 100% with 100% of what someone's doing. So respect the leader, respect the celebrity, respect the politician, respect the boss, respect all of those people. But you don't have to worship them in every word they say. You can believe that you can do better than that person. You be- you can believe you are a better actor than whoever. You can believe that you would be a better prime minister. You can believe that you would be a better entrepreneur. Like You can believe that. You can respect what that person has done before you learn from them and then believe in yourself to do better. Henry Ford also said a quote that was repeated in this book that the ability to know how to get information is more important than using the mind as a garage for facts. This is a direct message to universities and high schools everywhere. The ability to know how how to get the information is more important than using the mind as a garage for facts. I'm not going to go into the education system here, but we know that through tests, etc., like the valued thing is that we that we memorize all of this information to then repeat onto a test paper. But why is there no focus on the importance of knowing how to gather the right information or knowing the person to go to for that information? Like if you came to me and said, okay, how do I do this tax thing or whatever for my my end of year tax return? I don't know why this has come into my mind. And I said, oh, I can't help you, but I know about, some accounting concepts and I learned those in uni like that's less helpful than me being able to say oh okay I don't know but I have a friend who is an accountant or whatever like building your network and having kind of a base for collecting information is more valuable than having a base of kind of bits of information in your head I feel. This was another thing where he introduced affirmations. So one of the affirmations was like something that he wanted us to repeat. So, you know, a phrase that he wants us to repeat is an affirmation, of course. And this one I wrote down, which was, my attitudes are more important than my intelligence. I'll repeat it again. My attitudes are more important than my intelligence. So you you need to interpret all of these things I'm saying in the way that makes sense to you. But my inter- interpretation of this is that the way I respond to a problem is more important than what I understand about the problem. Because I can understand the problem and be like, oh, I have this solution, here we go. But my attitude surrounding how I deal with the problem might not be the best. And I think it's more important that I have the right attitude towards solving a problem than I have the right answer towards solving a problem. But this is also true for a lot of people who hire when they say, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't know how to do it, as long as you have the right attitude, then that's all we need. I feel like that's quite true for a lot of people who are hiring and it's repeated throughout this book as well. Then there was a massive section of the book about fear. So I've kind of, I've kind of gone over a lot of concepts around success and 
I guess, intelligence and knowledge. And that was sort of the parts that interested me for the first section of the book. And then this next part was about fear. And what I liked is he spoke about a lot of common things we say typically as humans, which is funny because it obviously has not changed, which is classic. You know, at the end of the day, our biology stays the same in terms of our initial thoughts for things or like, I guess, our natural reactions to things. And fear is such a natural feeling or reaction or emotion or whatever like we all feel feel fear uh and something he says is that saying in air quotes it's only in your mind about fear assumes it doesn't really exist but it does it closes mouths when people want to speak it causes recessions it affects stock markets fear is so so real so I think what's that quote from that movie with Will Smith in it and he's like the danger is real but the fear is not or whatever and so this book kind of goes against that quote and says like fear is a very very real emotion that causes people to act in crazy ways and I think both quotes are true like I think it's you kind of create the fear as a natural reaction like it's only natural that you do that but it's also happening like it's also going to guide your actions it's going to guide your thoughts it's going to guide so much of what you do so it's very very real and he I suppose goes into this by saying we should take our fear seriously and then here's how we you know here's how we cure that fear, or here's how we overcome that fear, which I'll go into in a second. So he's outlined five ways to build confidence and destroy fear. Number one, action cures fear. For example, I jumped off a cliff, a waterfall cliff jump thing, oh my god, in Bali, and it took me like 30 seconds to actually jump off this cliff. It was probably like, I think it was 10 meters tall 10 meters yeah high and I kept looking down and I just knew in myself I was like the more I stand here and stare at this thing like the hesitation is gonna kill me like the hesitation is gonna stop me from doing this or it's gonna make me act you know weird as I jump off the cliff and like I'll land in a weird position if I just am fearful and hesitant I need to be confident and I need to just action and do it and so action cures fear is very much true in the sense that it doesn't matter if you're scared, act through the fear, you know, just act through the fear. You don't want to jump, just be scared and do it anyway kind of thing. And I guess this is one of those concepts that I was alluding to at the start where I said it's very high level because yes, action cures fear, but there's also so much to that. Like it's, it's quite hard to just put into practice. Okay. Act now. Like you're scared. Okay. Just act anyway. And Maybe nowadays that would be a concept that we would dive deeper into. But in this book, it just kind of outlines it as something that cures fear. So action cures fear. Then positive thoughts. Refuse to recall negative situations. This basically, again, this is very high level, but it's telling you that when you think of a negative situation, just don't. (laughs) Just stop yourself. So you start thinking about something, you just tell yourself, no, like literally out loud or in your head, you're like, no, we're not thinking about that. And we move on to something else. I know that this is a lot harder said than done. And saying that, I actually use this quite a lot. Like when I read it, I thought that's so interesting because I do that a lot. And you've got to find the difference between uh, thinking positive thoughts and also unhealthily blocking out emotions that you should be feeling. Because it's also very easy to just be like, oh, I feel 
negative about this experience that I should probably go to therapy for block like I don't think that's the healthiest thing to do either it's not just about thinking positively all the time but taking the value from the concept where we can here the next one is have an understanding attitude or empathy for what others may be going through if you're at a restaurant and the waitress is not very happy or something like that or other way around if you're the waitress and the customer is not very happy that's a very common one obviously shout out to my hospital workers I know the struggle instantly when someone pisses you off upsets you anything the first thought in your head is I wonder what happened in their day for them to be acting like this for them to have this attitude instantly think about what they could be going through first of all it distracts you from the fact that you're upset Second, it makes you feel less upset because then it feels less personal, right? It feels less targeted against just you and it's more like they've probably acted like this towards everyone today. It has nothing to do with you. It says nothing about your worth, your personal value, uh, and it just kind of disperses the target of that comment or of that attitude. The next one, do what your conscious tells you is right to avoid a guilt complex. I also do this. I feel like this was is quite interesting because I actually do all of these things quite consciously. So this one is do what your conscious tells you is right to avoid a guilt complex. I personally feel like guilt, guilt to me is the worst feeling in the world. I would rather feel any other way. I'd rather feel incredibly heartbroken. I'd rather feel, oh, I'd just rather feel anything than guilty. I hate feeling guilty. And so if you're trying to make a decision and you don't know what is the right decision to make and you're scared that afterwards you're going to feel guilty about the choice that you made being wrong do what your conscious tells you is right because at the end of the day if the decision doesn't work out how you wanted it to you can trust that genuinely within yourself at the time you and only you felt that that was the right thing to do and you acted on that so genuinely that it's hard to be upset with yourself over something that you genuinely felt was right. You acted with your heart on your sleeve. You acted vulnerably. You acted authentically. Don't be angry at yourself for that. And I think that's kind of what this is, well, this is what that told me anyway. Fifth and final way to build confidence and destroy fear is know thyself, except most self-evaluation by people consists of making a long mental list of one's inadequacies and faults. Mm. So what this one is saying is that it's very important to know yourself. Get to know yourself, understand who you are, know your positives and your negatives, your strengths, your weaknesses, but also be aware that most self-evaluation is going to consist of making a very long mental list of your inadequacies and your faults. So there's so much power in knowing yourself, but it can't just be, here's a list of all the things I don't like about myself or that are shit or whatever. It, it needs to be realistic, but it also needs to be like appreciative of yourself and what you've, you've brought to this world for yourself or for others or whatever, because it's so easy for us to be self-deprecating and all of that kind of stuff we want to be helpful to our own development and then this bombshell quote was put in this book and I was just like oh I like this one it's the price tag the world puts on us is identical to the one we put on ourselves so what we're saying here is the value that the world puts on us is identical to the value we tell ourselves we're worth so if you say you know 
oh, I just bring nothing to my workplace and I have no skills and I don't know what my strengths are and I just like bring no value. That's exactly what you're going to feel like the world is putting onto you. And that's exactly what the world will put onto you because that's how you see yourself. You have to see yourself as what you want to be seen as, I suppose, if that makes sense, which is kind of leaning on that manifestation route that a lot of people talk about. And you have to visualize or like act as the person you want to be to become that person. Okay, so we're moving on from fear and kind of valuing ourselves to a bit of a chat about creativity and expanding and growth. I was reading this book at the same time. I listened to a podcast, not at the same time, but like generally at the same time. I listened to a podcast that had Simon Sinek, Adam Grant and Brene Brown on it. And they were talking about what like creativity is and it linked directly to this book. And I love when that happens. It's so good when you can connect like the things that you're learning about. So the book describes creative thinking. And so all of these things I'm describing, by the way, are like, this is thinking big. This is the magic of thinking big. And so creative thinking is a part of that. And it describes creative thinking as essentially just any different solution to a seemingly impossible situation. So if you can think like uniquely about a situation that someone doesn't have a solution to, then that's what they're describing as creative thinking. Simon Sinek in the podcast I listened to explained creativity like this. If we describe ourselves as being creative, for example, I am a creative, I am creative. This isn't right. This restricts people to feeling like you're either a creative or you're not. You can't be creative because you're either a creative, you're either creative or you're not. And there's so many issues with seeing the world like so black and white like this anyway. But labeling people as things restricts or feels restrictive to other people and makes them feel like they can't also be that or they can't develop that. What we should be saying is I am being creative. I am using creativity. So me personally, I never considered myself creative at all until I started the podcast and then I was kind of like, oh, okay, I guess I, guess I am creative now because I've created a podcast and an Instagram page and all these kind of things. But anyone can do that. And the thing is, it wasn't that I was just this undercover creative and I didn't, it didn't come out until um, I started the podcast. Everyone has a desire to use creativity. I was just being creative when I started the podcast and I wasn't, didn't have much of a chance to use creativity or be creative before that. And I try to implement creativity into my days all the time now, but I don't use it all the time. And I think that that's everyone. We can all be creative. It's not that you can't. You either are or are not a creative person. But you can use creativity at different times in your life. And I, I like that thinking because creative thinking is a concept a lot of people talk about. And it's not fair that some people feel like they can't be creative when everyone can be. It's not that you are or you aren't. It's that you're either using it at one point or you're not. The book also discusses how one of the most damaging mindsets for the development of the world is to not truly believe that a problem can be solved. And so my thoughts around this is that there is so much value in naivety and positive, what I've described as positive ignorance. So not 
intentional ignorance in the sense that you're like not providing anything good because you're just choosing to be ignorant for your own selfish reasons but having a little bit of ignorance to what is and isn't possible and naivety I think is an extremely valuable thing because you don't place those restrictions on yourself as to what is possible because you don't know yet and I hope that if that is you or that is someone that they have the support around them to constantly tell them just keep going just keep pushing forward because you'll find a way nothing grows in ice what a quote we can't freeze our minds or we stall progress we can't stay stuck in ideas or opinions nothing grows in ice if you're fixed on your values on your political stance on the way you see the world you can't grow you're stuck you're in ice you're frozen And nothing is going to grow in ice. We need to continue to be fluid, be liquid, so to speak, in the way that we can change how we think, how we see different things in the world. And that will continue to encourage our own and other people's progress around us. Be an experimental person, you know, diversify your information, diversify your life. Even something like taking a different walking route can open up other ways to think literally and figuratively. You know, you might notice something on the new route that you didn't before and that makes you think of this thing, which makes you think of that thing. We get all of our best ideas in the shower when we're not really thinking about things. Like it's the little changes in routine that seemingly don't matter at all that I think make big long-term impacts in terms of how we might be thinking. And yes, that might sound dramatic. You know, changing your walking route is going to change your life. Possibly not. But as we spoke about earlier, every step forward pays dividends. Every little change, little bit of progress gives you something whether you can see it now or you're not going to see it for 20 years there was one concept I didn't really agree with I mean I could see where they were coming from but mm, I don't know it's interesting I think it's it's definitely based on the times this concept so it was that nothing is impossible you can always find a way to get things done and so they were talking about you know basically leaning into hustle culture in the sense of saying like if you need more money, nothing is impossible. You can work 18 hours and go to sleep for this many hours and you can do that day after day. Like you've just got to push yourself. Nothing is impossible. While this is of course true, I think there's a limit to it. Like just because you can do something, it doesn't mean you should. And you've really as an individual like got to weigh up what is meaningful to you. And just because you can get something, what are you sacrificing for that thing? For example, you know, it does speak about in this book, like finding more capacity in a stressful job or working full time and also being a full time mum is even though maybe you could do that if you've got a remote job and you kind of just balance meetings in between and worked all over the place and then it's just what cost is that to you? Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's a big cost. And so it speaks in this book that capacity is a state of mind. And I guess that's what I mean when I I'm saying that it's coming from a certain kind of perspective is that there are a lot of nuances in people's experiences and lives that would impact these type of types of concepts but again giving it a bit of leeway because of the time it was written etc but I do think it's important to critique the concepts as well not just always believe them 
it talks about this element of first class thinking. And I'm just going to go through these quickly because, God, I'm harping on here. So first class thinking can be done in a couple of ways. A mind that feeds only on itself soon becomes undernourished. If you're only feeding your mind with your own thoughts and opinions, then you're not getting any kind of nutrients. You need to be getting your information from different sources and feeding it a variety of information, a variety of nutrients. The next one is to create your own commercial in air quotes, to sell yourself, to sell yourself to yourself, in air quotes, which is basically just an early version of self-affirmation. So its own commercial is like telling yourself you are these things to sell yourself to yourself, basically just repeating sentences that reaffirm the person you want to be. The next one is the number one barrier to success is feeling that success is beyond reach. The next one I really love, it's study negators, don't let them impact you. Have empathy before judgment. Learn from the naysayers, from the people who say you can't do it, from those with restricted views. Learn from them. Have empathy for where their perspective is coming from, what in their experience has led them to thinking this way. Study them. Don't let them impact you. And have empathy before you judge them as well. Coming around to kind of the end of this book now and talking about winning, Uh, A quote that I really liked was, how you think when you lose will determine how long it will be until you win. Again, speaking about our attitudes, more important than our our intelligence, like how we react to the loss is going to determine how long it will be until we win. If we get incredibly upset by the loss and we're not doing anything, we're not staying consistent and we give up, then that's only going to add time on to when we'll actually be able to win. Whereas if you respond with getting up again, trying again, then that's going to shorten the time to when we can next win. And so facing these things and what the book describes as our faults, um, he says that, you know, it's improving on our faults or facing our faults isn't the problem usually. What the problem is, is facing them productively and not destructively. Because often we will get so demotivated by the fact that we know there's something we need to improve on or something we didn't do right. And that can be really upsetting. Uh, Another quote is, a failure is a man who has blundered but is not able to cash in on the experience. So someone who is not able to then kind of take their dividends, as we spoke about, from that experience. They can only feel the defeat. Much of its essence is in changing attitudes, which as I kind of touched on earlier is interesting because it shows a lot of our general attitudes towards life haven't changed as humans and we react the same which only makes me question like why are these things so hard to overcome like of course we know they're hard because mindset and psychologically it's hard but like actually why is it so hard to replace this kind of way of thinking I kind of want to know the science behind it One of the final concepts in the book discusses how you are not pulled to high levels of success. You are lifted there by those working beside and below you. And I think that how I want to take this quote is that when we think about community, uh, self-made is dead and all those kind of things. Like it is a group of people who support you to success. And it's important that we value those around us in order to grow and to progress in the way that is meaningful to us and the way that is going to be meaningful to society as well. Bonus part of the magic of thinking big is 10 ways to make yourself likable. 
let me know what you think of these. The first one, learn to remember names. Two, be a comfortable person so there is no strain in being you. Three, be an easygoing and relaxed person. Four, don't be egotistical. Five, be interesting so people get value from you. Six, study to remove the scratchy elements of your personality, even the ones you're unconscious of. Seven, sincerely attempt to heal on an honest basis every misunderstanding you have had or have now. Eight, practice liking people until you learn to do so genuinely. Nine, never miss an opportunity to say a word of congratulations to someone. And ten, give spiritual strength to people and they will give affection to you. Hmm, I thought those were quite interesting. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. I appreciate you. If you've made it to the end, congratulations, because that is a feat in itself. And if you are just entering your personal development journey, know someone who is and needs an easy kind of read, although do read it with the context of it was written a long time ago, then I would recommend this book. Definitely wasn't my favorite personal development book, and I won't read it a second time like I will some of my others. But I enjoyed the concepts uh, for some nice, light-hearted reminders and glad that I can now develop on them myself. If you want to hear anything else about this book or have any questions, hit me up on Instagram. Otherwise, I will see you guys on the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there.